Welcome to the HR Chat Podcast, bringing the best of the HR and talent communities to you. The role of HR leader was, of course, central to the organizational response to the pandemic. As we continue to crawl out of the mire of COVID and look ahead, the opportunity becomes about helping to reimagine our businesses, preparing and building better resilience against additional future external pressures. So what are the competencies and tools that HR needs to have at their disposal? Where should HR be investing their time and money? How can we maintain company culture and collaboration in a changed world? In this HR chat, we're going to consider six elements essential to collaboration in the post-COVID workplace and the tools and strategies to future-proof businesses so that they can best manage future challenges. My guest this time is the awesome, wonderful, fantastic Barry Flack, workforce strategist and a top 30 global influencer in HR and HR tech. Barry is an award-winning HR pro who spent many years running large recruitment and HR functions in a variety of global industries before embarking on a varied portfolio career. Barry helps organizations adapt to the changing world of work and uses advanced HR tech to solve complex people-related business problems. In the past, Barry's been a board-level HRD, head of talent, head of ER, IR, HR of recruitment, OD, and program head. He now spends his time working with HR tech startups, consulting and practicing with private equity and venture capital businesses to help portfolio companies build the growth and develop their world of work. Think videos out of reach for your recruiting, onboarding, and employee engagement efforts? With Powtoon, HR teams can easily grab employee attention with engaging videos and visual content for talent recruitment, employee onboarding, diversity and inclusion, employee well-being, company events, and more. Visit Powtoon.com today and use the promo code HRGazette15 to get 15% off any premium Powtoon plan. Powtoon, the visual communication platform. Barry, welcome to the show. Thank you, Bill. It's a, a, a wonderful intro, um, but no, great, uh, great to be here. Thank you. That was a long intro, Barry, and I'm pretty sure that most people who know who will know who you are already. So uh, I'm going to forego the usual question of tell my tell our listeners a wee bit more about yourself and jump straight into the hard hitting questions today, Barry. Firstly, talk to me a bit about the importance of effective workplace collaboration and how it's being complicated by work from home. Yeah, look, um, I, I guess I live and breathe uh, the world of collaboration. Um, and I guess, look, I think the first thing probably to, to, to sort of say, and, and, and there's been a little bit of a battle of mine throughout my career that kicked off in the mid-90s, is that uh, pr- pretty simply, you know, we've, we've got a brand new set of rules for success um, that are focused around collaboration, that are focused around teams and relationships and networks that frankly should have changed forever, you know, around about 40 years ago uh, when the old paradigm um, that we had, that our parents and our grandparents enjoyed for what felt like ever in a day, you know, were, you know, the whole areas of tailor and mass consumerization, you know, I'll give you any car you want as long as it's black, says uh, John Ford, you know, sluggish markets, and that wonderful management social philosophy of command and control, you know, that our forefathers did accept, uh, dominated. Um, and I think, you know, in many respects, coming into any pandemic or otherwise, you know, we've struggled 
in many of our incumbent organizations primarily um, to wean ourselves off the lessons that we used to have uh, around that particular era um, and I guess get ourselves into shape um, around what success looks like these days. Um, look, I think the pandemic, the mass evacuation from offices to the working from home um, have probably impacted organizations differently. Um, I think those who are on that spectrum um, that have, you know, frankly got some of the problems I've just outlined uh, have taken with them, you know, belief systems uh, that they've struggled with uh, whilst in, you know, self-imposed isolation. You know, there's been meetings and meetings galore as check-in. There's been, you know, uh, issues around productivity and what that means for us, you know, as we are distributed. Uh, and we brought some of that presenteeism, you know, into the digital world. And, you know, on the upside, there isn't a person in our society, grandmothers and grandfathers included, who have not gone through, thankfully, some degree of, you know, digital uh, upgrade and digital literacy over the last year, um, as that has become, frankly, you know, as a society, the only way that we've kept in contact. So, you know, we've we've got to recognize that, in many respects, you know, look, the world of work hasn't changed much in all that time. You know, it's a place we show up. Uh, it's a place that allows us to work alongside others to deliver on either goods or services. But actually, the very obvious piece of being in conscious of how we organize ourselves around that has not changed. And the organizations, I think, who have done well are those that have frankly understood that you got to lean into making collaboration work rather than a pretty laissez-faire approach or the area that people go to, you know, which is to, you know, come down hard on outcomes, you know, to check in on people. You know, remember that prior to last year, you know, one of the biggest open questions was, you know, could we allow people uh, in too many organizations to work from home? You know, very polarized debate. Um, about whether we trusted enough in our uh, our employees to be able to get on and do uh, without the distraction of not being in the office. Um, it will be interesting that as we you know pour back in, um, hopefully in the next few months, that I think every organization needs to sit down and make sense of what the last year has brought. Uh, and somewhere between that survival and reimagining debate that needs to take place, uh, needs to come up with some answers um, around what productivity, what reimagining, uh, and how they want to organize for success actually looks like. And I think that's a good thing. Yeah, I agree. And um, what about what about the future? What, what lessons have HR taken from from the crisis in terms of future proofing their organizations, making sure that they've got the systems in place? Um, so now you mentioned that they, they they the best companies know that they need to keep engaging with their employees they, they need to keep checking in they need to keep finding ways to measure performance they, they need to perhaps be a bit more uh, empathetic as well right now um, but in terms of making sure that you've got the technology the processes um, the the mindset in many cases mm. uh, in place for for another heavens forbid another pandemic or mm. gosh a, a giant earthquake or these things can happen and, and the last year has just shown us all that we're we're not you know, we're not living in some exceptional time where we can't be yeah. touched by disasters. Well, so what, what, what have, what have HR, what the, the best HR teams taken from this crisis in terms of preparing themselves for the future? I, the buzzword of 2020, and it still exists, is that 
is that issue of resilience. Yeah, so look, you know, HR as a function has elevated itself, uh, and rightfully so, you know, by going after the mass evacuation, you know, by looking at ongoing productivity, focused on, you know, safe offices, safety from working from home, you know, and, and, and has now moved that along rightfully as, you know, as lockdown has progressed, you know, into worries, concerns about health and well-being, you know, something that an organization's had a bit of a patchy, you know, sort of record on previously on these things. Um, and then overbearingly, you know, there's a lot of work to be done on, you know, state intervention across each of our countries on keeping the economy afloat and what that means for organization, you know, so brought a degree of complexity in there. Look, I mean, resilience for me um, is not something that can continue to be, you know, business continuity management. You know, you're absolutely right. This black swan, God forbid, has every chance of replicating itself. So I think, you know, look, you know, the best organizations out there, I think, have come to terms with something that uh, I'm going to say quite smugly, you know, I've been trying to put on radars for many a long year. Um, and that is, you know, there is a degree of unpredictability about two things in our domain that, frankly, if we don't come to terms with, uh, we're going to continue uh, to waste a lot of productive time. One, the market, and I include all these things that buffer against us, is eminently unpredictable. Um, and the other being people. So the idea, frankly, despite the best efforts of the Boston Dynamics and others of the world to show that, you know, um, computers and robotics can do what we can do, um, we've got to come to terms with the fact that, you know, people are the most amazing machine and are utterly unpredictable. So if we end up thinking about resilience as how do we prepare for the next round of buffering, and it will come, and it may not be a black swan. You know, a couple of years ago, we all got buffered across industries, across the globe, at, you know, the rise of the platform economy. You know, how do these wonderful organizations emerge, take on and, frankly, decimate lots of incumbent industries uh, and not own any of the assets? You know, let's think of an Airbnb. You know, let's think of Uber. You know, these unbelievable events that hit us call for organizations that are, frankly, set up to be able to buffer that. And, you know, and I think there's a, a direction of travel, you know, a feature set, you know, whilst recognizing that organizations are contextually different. But I think we're moving into a time where, you know, we're very much moving away from that command and control that I rallied against, you know, that decentralized, that team focus, that flow of information towards the periphery of organizations, the intelligence sharing, you know, the focus on mastery. Um, of individuals and not the hierarchy, you know, the overbearing nature, you know, of the board and, you know, lots of things uh, that we've talked about for years but never really had the impetus are the sorts of organizations that I think will be better set up for early warning signals and the ability to be able to react to when, you know, we're either closing down or we've got a particular competitive threat that uh, frankly threatens the existence of those organizations. And I think we're going to see more of that. I'd very much like to spend most of the, the, the remaining time uh, looking at what you suggest. That there, are, there are six keys to effective collaboration in the workplace, according to yourself. You, you, you uh, well, actually, I'm, I'm just going to leave this to you. Uh, what I'd love for you to do 
is um, go through each of these. And uh, just to remind you, I'm sure you don't need a reminder. They are kindness, positivity, trust, mm -hmm. empathy, efficiency, clarity, and purpose. And, how, and well, that's it. That's six. Um, just maybe take 60, uh, sorry, 30 seconds on each and yeah. give us a quick summary of, of what they are and why they matter. Terrific. Yeah, look, um, great to answer this one straight after the fact that, you know, look, a lot of this we believe driven by technology. Technology is that ability to be able to fuel a lot of what we're trying to do here at scale. But the idea of introducing some of these attributes are a recognition that ultimately this is about our social density. Yeah, this goes back to the opening message that these particular traits uh, are about what makes us as humans. These are about the entry of neuroscience, about understanding the brain and knowing that ultimately success of this will be part owned by the technology and its capability, but mostly about how we feel about each other. So on the challenge that's been opened up, look, of these six, first one up is kindness. Yeah, so kindness for me is a very different attribute from niceness. Yeah, which it does in many ways get itself embroiled. And niceness can be gamed, you know, and people can be coached in. The kindness to me is about outcomes. Um, it is very much about, you know, X amount of, you know, acts of kindness we have across the organizations. Um, this is about the fact that we know that those acts of kindness, put very simply in the workplace, set off healthy serotonin in the brain. You know, they create the conditions for people to be able to happily work together. They are different. And, you know, a prime example to close out on, on kindness are when we've invited feedback, you know, into a collaborative process, the ability to be honest and data-driven is different from being brutally honest. So the kindness ends when the person starts talking about themselves and the idea that their brutality in their honesty is something they hold up. It isn't. So keep an eye out. Kind Fest is a festival that now takes place. Be the ripple or movements that exist out there, which are about dialing up as many kind acts as possible for the good of the business. Positivity is number two. Um, few things to say about that. Uh, look, going back to McGregor, X and Y, you know, a very clear and obvious sense that if we are in recognition that people are self-motivated, then we live in a world where far too often the cynical side of humanity is overinflated. You know, there is a, a, a misinterpreted, unscientific view that actually people are terrific, that the positivity of that particular message is a wonderful book um, that's out there. I'm reading at the moment, Humankind by Rutger Bregman. Uh, which some of your listeners may know of. If they don't get it, it's a wonderful debunking that throughout society and throughout history, the idea that we are, frankly, positive and beyond the issue of half empty um, is there to be seen. We've seen it over the last year. We've seen people take, um, in societal terms, real elevated projection of you know critical workers, the health service, others that are out there helping us. So, you know, Positivity is another massive trait in collaboration. Trust, you know, and a couple of things talk to trust. Um, for me, a huge element of this is about mastery. Yeah, so let's think about this as a very clear and obvious case that we come together to, you know, shine against each other, you know, to learn against each other, you know, to deliver a level of excellence in action. This is so opposite to the old hierarchical power base that we used to have. 
This is very much about my ability to frankly do what I can and do it well. This is about a level of emotional intelligence that's able to connect with individuals who I have that connection with, who I have their back, who have their ability to do stuff. And this is very opposite you know, to something that we need to go after tackling, which is the building up of the all-knowing executive. Yeah, the very fact that I've, on a several of occasions, debunked the over-influence of command and control, the heroic leader. Um, this trust element is about right throughout our organization. It's peer-based. It's, I've got your back and you're going to deliver for me. Empathy. And empathy, you know, can be misinterpreted. These feel, in many respects, a level of, you know, um, soft skills to the point of is just being nice. But actually, this is about conflict resolution. This is about how we walk in each other's shoes. This is about us truly understanding that when we're doing stuff end to end from a collaboration point of view, and we see this in design thinking, we see these in participation, uh, stuff around hackathons, around employee journeys, sentiments. You know, these are very much about we need to actually extricate our very selfish viewpoint of the world and come to really understanding what this means, you know, for the user, if we are going to use that, you know, product function terminology. The flow of work, which is something in this domain around employee experience and technology build and product build, you know, is built on the premise that we are going to build product. We're going to build process that is about helping those doing jobs in the flow of their work. Um, a lot of great user examples out there, but empathy is massively important in collaboration. Uh, number five, efficiency. Um, I've sort of touched upon this, but you know, I am very conscious when we put these together that this is something that still feels quite soft. This is about us appealing to the fact that we are social, that we come together, and that it all feels slightly chaotic. Um, efficiency is about rigor. Yeah. So ultimately, the best organizations that we see out there, the Spotify's, the Zappos, you know, the Toyotas of the world, you know, who've been doing this for years, WL Gore, they've all got a discipline that overarches the issue of collaboration. Yeah. The opting in for people who have the ideas or otherwise, the agenda, you know, the outcome, the time boxing, the voting rights, you know, in amidst our collaborative and our desire to be social. Um, is the absolute need for efficiency, the ability to be able to put a bit of rigor around the collaborative process, and we shouldn't lose that. Last one, clarity and purpose um, can also be wrapped around the massive 21st century problem that we have, which is called belonging. Yeah, and I've had the pleasure of working on a few belonging-related collaborative um, projects, um, and it really talks to the fact that, you know, the group dynamic can be both a positive and a negative. We see that in our world. We're very tribal people. Um, the tribal element of it is very much built into our DNA. And therefore, countering that from a belonging perspective is about ensuring that what we do is we push against that tribal and give ourselves a bit of a line of sight to some overarching North Star. And so purpose statements and values, you know, of which... I have a troubled history with. I think people have values, don't know if organizations do, but I think what we're seeing in lots of organizations is a series of principles about how we work together in collaboration so that our outcomes, our desire to be grouped into one domain or the other 
actually comes through ultimately in a common good um, that allows us to deliver on these things. So really important that beyond technology, beyond coming together, we've got these particular traits um, and that's what where we see some of the best collaboration events take place. And just finally for today, Barry, how can our listeners learn more about and connect with you? Yeah, look, uh, I am pretty active in, um, you know, circles around Twitter, around LinkedIn. Uh, please feel free to come and connect with me on those particular platforms. Uh, look, I've got my own website where I try to encourage uh, these collaboration events that I continue to talk about. Uh, I got a lot of organizations that I work in and around with, and I'd love to expand those. Um, so, you know, you'll get me there on, you know, a very simple barryflack.co.uk. He's got his own website, listeners. He is famous. <laughs> I told you. I told you. Hey, Barry, <laughs> um, I definitely want to get you on again in the very near future, sir. Um, Biff. Before that time, though, um, we have to say goodbye for now. So uh, thank you so much for joining me on this episode of the HR Chat Show. Thank you, Bill. And listeners, as always, until next time, happy working and please do continue to stay safe. Thank you for listening to the HR Chat Podcast, brought to you by the HR Gazette. 